It's time for Vax Talk. Let's talk VPDs. We're shaping the conversation about vaccines. To learn more, visit VaxTalk.org. Hi, and welcome to Vax Talk. My name is Karen Ernst, and I am the executive director of Voices for Vaccines. I forgot to say that this is the a podcast for all the pregnant ladies. Um, <laughs> are you gonna? Are we sing that for us? All the pregnant ladies. All the pregnant ladies. Okay, oh, that's fantastic. Thank. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and We're, I'm I'm Nathan Boonstra. I'm a general pediatrician here at Blank Children's Hospital in Des Moines, Iowa. And we are coming to you during the first week of National Immunization Awareness Month, which is the entire month of August. Super duper exciting. National Immunization Awareness Month is exactly what it sounds like. It's for the nation of the United States, but we invite our worldwide friends to join with us. And it is, a, you know, giving awareness about immunizations. That pretty much covers it, right? Yeah, I think so. Uh, it's um, kind of a month where we just want to make sure that we're focusing on different aspects of immunizations and bringing more understanding, more awareness to areas that uh, th that people may not normally think about. At least that's what mm -hmm. we're trying to do this month with our podcast. Yeah, absolutely. And it's important for people to know that immunizations span the entire lifespan. Mm-hmm. In fact, they start before, you know, a person's actually born. So every stage of life, there are vaccines that are specific to that stage for those people. And if you're a grown-up sitting on the train listening to us right now, you probably are eligible for some vaccines that you need as well. Yeah, it's worth checking out. So a lot of adults, I think, don't realize that there are vaccines that uh, that they need. I'm not going to pretend to be an expert in adult vaccines <laughs> because I don't take care of grownups right. <laughs> all that often. But, uh, but you are a grownup. But I am a grownup. So I do know and I have checked with my doctor to make sure that I'm up to date with all the shots that I should have at this right. age. And fortunately, I spend enough time thinking about vaccines that I know what age I'm going to need my next one and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And I get my flu shot every year, as I'm sure you do, Karen. Mm. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, yeah. I actually went in a couple of years ago because we were headed to Hawaii and I happened to know that in Hawaii there was a hepatitis A outbreak mm -hmm. that started in a sushi restaurant mm. near where we were going to be staying and sushi is one of my favorite things in the world. Yes. So I went into my doctor and said, there's this hepatitis A outbreak that started in a sushi restaurant in Hawaii and we're going to Hawaii, so I need a hepatitis A vaccine. And she <laughs> said, I had no idea that was a thing, but a hepatitis A vaccine is a perfectly reasonable thing for an adult to get anyhow. Mm -hmm. Uh, so pe when people ask me, I mean, I don't give medical advice, but I'm always like, you know, if you eat food prepared by other people, it's worth talking to your doctor about whether or not you need a hepatitis A vaccine. Yeah, and I think actually people should ask that at each of their visits because mm -hmm. I don't, you know, there are plenty of uh, adult doctors out there who don't routine, they're fantastic doctors, but thinking about adult vaccinations because it's such a, a smaller part of practice than uh, for a pediatrician, where mm -hmm. at every visit we're thinking, is this child up to date? This child needs vaccines at two, four, six months, needs a flu shot, needs 12 months, right. 15 months. Like, it's really part of our repertoire continuously. So it's it's a part of our thought process uh, and our workflow. But that's not necessarily true about every adult 
adult doctor uh, out there. So I would recommend everybody just tack that on to your physical and just say, am I totally up to date with vaccines or are there any vaccines that are recommended for me at this point? And they can at least give a glance at that and make sure that there's nothing that's glaring that's missing. Right. And there's one subset of adults that we're focusing on this week in particular, and that is, as I said at the top of the show, all the pregnant ladies. Mm -hmm. So maternal vaccines are really important. I'm calling them maternal vaccines on on purpose, not just adult vaccines, because with a lot of the vaccines, depending on when you give them, you're not just vaccinating mom, you're vaccinating two people, you're vaccinating mom and baby. And there's a lot of research going into maternal vaccines right now as far as how can we best protect babies right away when they're the most vulnerable against diseases that would you know, do the most damage to them. And so that's what we're talking about today is maternal vaccines. You have this gap period in which, um, as a pediatrician, what I'm worried about with a baby is uh, this period in which they are they, they can't get a, a whooping cough vaccine yet. They can't get a Tdap yet. The, the Tdap, unlike, say, hepatitis B vaccine, can't be given at birth. Uh, but they're most vulnerable. A, a newborn baby that gets whooping cough is at the uh, is is the most likely to have a bad outcome potentially death. And mm-hmm. so this gap in which you can't immunize until they're two months, but they're most at risk from the disease um, is is a scary part. So uh, the, this topic of uh, pregnancy vaccines affects us as pediatricians. We actually think about it a fair amount because we worry about these newborns. Um, so even though I'm usually not in a position to be able to talk with uh, you know, every mom, every family, uh, before they have their baby about how important these vaccines are, unless they come in for like a prenatal, you know, discussion with a pediatrician. Um, it's very important to us as pediatricians that people are thinking about their pregnancy vaccines. Right. And, you know, it's been a decade since I've been pregnant, actually more than a decade. Uh, but even then, Being a pregnant person is really complex. There's a million tests and a million things you have to go through. I used to have to carry, you know, a little vial of pee around in my purse because I had to bring that into the doctor. (laughs) Fun times. Yeah. So the the idea of immunization can be difficult for both the OB or midwife and the the mom to remember but it is important for families and for pregnant women to say to their doctors can we check my vaccines am i up Mm -hmm. to date what vaccines do i need so today we actually have a really exciting interview we taped it ahead of time i'm not going to do the thing where i pretend like i don't know what we're going to (laughs) say we're so convincing on that yeah Uh, but we taped ahead of time this great interview with heidi murkoff who wrote the what to expect series and has the what to expect.com website and there's an app and there's all sorts of great things and it's a great interview Uh, one of my key takeaways from her really was how how much compassion and how much empathy she has for people who are expecting a baby how complex it is as i said and and how much we can care for them through the process of learning about immunizations and immunizing themselves um did you have a key takeaway you wanted to well in addition to that compassion that she shows for um people who are expecting um 
she you know was so we asked her questions about well what kind of reaction do you get when you talk about vaccines do you get much blowback in terms of the anti-vaccine community and she's very compassionate with them too you know she reflects a lot of that uh, philosophy that people who uh, are who, who choose not to immunize or who are kind of against vaccinations uh, the run-of-the-mill person in that category is not necessarily your hardcore uh, science denier or conspiracy theorist as you may run into online sometimes but somebody who has for one reason or another had bad information and she really wants to contribute to that positive information um, uh, the, the, uh, the, what you can find out there in terms of good information and contribute okay. to that. And you can really tell that from the things that she says about why she decided to start writing these books. Absolutely. Okay, well, uh, let's go ahead and turn it over to the interview then. Uh, and I guess that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Let's go. Roll tape. Now we are joined by the eminent Heidi Murkoff, who is the author of the What to Expect series, including one of my favorite pregnancy books, What to Expect When You're Expecting. And she has two adult children because she started having children very, very young. Yes. I, 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 I said kindergarten. Can yes. I go younger than that? <laughs> Absolutely. And she's a friendly and wonderful person with many experiences, and we're so excited to have her. So welcome, Heidi. Thank you. I also have two grandsons at the oh. moment. How old are they? Mm. Uh, five and just born. Oh, wow. Yes. Congrats. Thank you. You recently had an experience with the youngest guy that really underscored your support for vaccines. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. Actually, this was Lennox, who's the older of the two. He's, he's now five. But when he was just three weeks old, he was hospitalized for an infection, a staph infection, that he developed sepsis. And so he was hospitalized for about eight days at three weeks I think he was two weeks at first and three weeks. He was exposed to, to um, measles while in the hospital. They had, for some reason, put an adult with measles in the pediatric area. So all the kids there were exposed, but he was only three weeks old. Wow. He only weighed about six pounds at that point, maybe even slightly less. And so it was like adding insult to injury, but... Uh, he had to go back to the hospital to get a shot of immunoglobulins and, and to mm -hmm. hopefully pr protect him. And he was fine. But the idea that he could be exposed in the hospital as a fragile newborn who already had some health challenges because of, of his infection, that was really scary. And it made me, first of all, realize, you know, this was someone who had come over on an airplane, as many people do with, with infections, and expose a very vulnerable population. That's one of the reasons why, I mean, I've always been an advocate for vaccines. Uh, and, you know, I'm not old enough to remember polio, but I'm, I'm old enough to remember German measles and, and measles mumps. My brother had mumps. I have some perspective on that, but, but every, Every time I hear a story like Lennox's, I, I wonder why, why parents will willingly, knowingly um, not vaccinate their kids. Well, and you've had travels, too, that have sort of shown you 
the difference between a community that vaccinates and a community that can't vaccinate? Yes, uh, we work with International Medical Corps on maternal health. So we visited South Sudan twice. We were in Sierra Leone just after the Ebola crisis, where maternal health had been devastated by Ebola. Um, and also vaccine uh, immunization rates had dropped dramatically because no, nobody was going to clinics to get vaccines or nutritional screening or anything because everybody saw hospitals and clinics as a place where people went to die uh, from Ebola. So that perspective, uh, we've also been uh, with refugee populations on the border of Somalia. And of course, these families, uh, face many risks, but among them are, are, are vaccine-preventable childhood diseases that spread easily. Now, I've seen programs in South Sudan where community workers are trained to spread the word about vaccines and encourage parents to get vaccines, but the infrastructure is just not there. Mm-hmm. And, and being able to keep vaccines uh, safe and stable in those kinds of environments where there's no infrastructures is very, very challenging. But the other thing is that often those who go around immunizing put their lives at risk and are, they're often killed. Actions who believe that vaccines are not safe and are, are actually evil. They're lucky there to get any kind of vaccines at all. Mm-hmm. You've done all sorts of work for, for really decades with women who are obviously expecting babies, people who are pregnant, uh, and communicating with people who are pregnant. And and your your network has sort of grown a little bit. So, you know, before I ask you about how you've involved vaccines in it, can you just kind of explain what's happened to what to expect when you're expecting since it was just a book and now, now what it is now? Well, the mission hasn't changed. It's always a bit about helping parents stress less and enjoy pregnancy more and enjoy being parents more, about arming them with the information that they need, not overwhelming them, not being prescriptive, but but sort of holding their hands through an experience that certainly I was terrified by the first time I was pregnant, but I didn't have a resource to turn to. So, you know, motherhood being the mother of invention, uh, two hours before I went into labor with Emma, I delivered a proposal for what to expect when you're expecting. And the mission then was was as simple and as simple as, as it could possibly be. I just wanted to help other parents sleep better tonight than I had in Eric had. I decided to write a book, which I never expected anyone to read. And that was okay. You know, if a couple of people bought it and they, they felt that they'd been reassured by what they read and informed because knowledge is power it's especially powerful when you're pregnant from there you know other books wrote other books but but the mission has though it hasn't changed it certainly has grown um and that's to include the work we do with the foundation as well as um an app and and the books keep evolving as well so now i'm in the fifth edition of what to expect when you're expecting um, and things change. Things change. There was lots about pregnancy that never changes. You're still bloated and queasy and constipated. <laughs> but uh, And it's still approximately nine months. But lots of things do change. Um, among them, the vaccines that you, you are recommended to receive during pregnancy. So when you, you were talking a little bit about a, a moment ago about how 
your one of your goals is to make things not overwhelming, to make things relatively simple and understandable. Mm-hmm. When we talk about the vaccine conversation, sometimes that is very overwhelming for parents. Yes. Not only do they not necessarily know, even if they're on board and they want to get you know what is best for their baby so they want to get the immunizations they may not know uh when and what do they need and how to ask or what to do but then for those even that may not necessarily know whether they're on board or not can feel very overwhelmed so how do you phrase that how how did you approach that when you talked about vaccinations in in your books and in the things that you do when you're pregnant of course you're overwhelmed by by thousands of questions and concerns I would say you're probably not so much doing your homework on vaccinations yet as you are, you know, wondering about all the decisions you have to make about childbirth and about, you know, registries. There's so many decisions that you have to make as a parent. Um, Probably one of the most important decisions you have to make as a parent, though, is uh, to immunize your child. There are very few absolutes in parenting. There really are not even a handful. There's two. In, in my mind, it's um, loving your child unconditionally and keeping your child healthy and safe. So for me, one of the absolutes is immunization within keeping your child healthy and safe. But I think part of the problem is that parents these days, whereas it used to be when I was pregnant, there was a lack of information for, for new moms and expected yes. moms and new dads yes. and expectant dads. Now there's a, a situation where we're overloaded with information, where much of the information is conflicting and a lot of the information we can't necessarily trust. So you have to sort through websites and, and opinions and message boards, all of which are, are telling you different things. Uh, so you don't know who to trust, uh, who to believe. That's hopefully where what to expect comes in. I, I'd like to think a, a more trusted source. Mm-hmm. Again, not not didactic, not you know, preaching a certain agenda, but just mm-hmm. informing parents about what they need to know and where there's a choice, letting them know what the choices are because. Yeah, you know, there's there's attachment parenting and there's parents who don't want, you know, who only want to wear their babies and there are parents who want to sleep with their babies and there are parents who don't want to sleep with their babies and there's w- women who feel it's super, super important to have a natural childbirth, unmedicated, and there, there are parents who believe that an epidural, their moms who, who sign up for an epidural before they even become pregnant. So <laughs> there's... There's all of these different factions, but where there's a choice, let them, you know, tell them what the options are. Let them make their own choice because every, every pregnant woman is different. Every parent is different. Every baby is different. But when it comes to those absolutes, like immunization, I feel just the facts, mom just the facts. And the women have to start making choices about vaccines probably before they realize they do. You know, women are probably thinking, oh, of course, I want to prevent measles in my baby, but baby's one year old. There, you could, there's actually diseases you can prevent against um, before the baby's even Absolutely. born. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of uh, women come into pregnancy not realizing that there will be vaccines involved, uh, and, and a lot of a lot of people have feelings about the flu vaccine. Oh, if I, whenever I get the flu vaccine, 
I get the flu. Of course, that's not true. Or that, you know, that's a sort of optional thing. But they come into pregnancy and realize that there are vaccines that are highly recommended, um, that are standard for expecting moms, like the flu vaccine if you're going to be pregnant during flu season, but also the Tdap booster uh, with each and every pregnancy. Also making sure that everyone who is going to be around your baby, including dad, including those grandparents, including any care providers, including siblings who are, you know, whose immunity may have, have waned since they, they got their first set of vaccines. So all of these, these people have to, who are going to be surrounding the baby with love also have to cocoon the baby by being immunized themselves with a, with a Tdap booster. There's also vaccines that you might want to consider getting before you become pregnant. I'm a big supporter of preconception planning, although my first pregnancy was completely an oops, but <laughs> but 50% of pregnancies in the U.S. are are unplanned, 50% are planned, and if you take those steps before you become pregnant, you still need the Tdap, but you can uh, make sure that your immunity to measles, mumps, and rubella is where it should be. Make sure all your HEPs are, are up to date. That's a discussion to have with your doctor before you even decide to become pregnant. That's great advice. I'm curious about whether you whether you've gotten questions in on that or what the response has been. So, uh, I, sometimes in talking to other authors, they've written stuff about vaccinations and then they've gotten a lot of pushback or they've been kind of like, "Well, I really liked what you said about this, but boy, I don't think that you've done your research when it comes to vaccines." Have you gotten yeah. much response in terms of <laughs> yeah. the vaccine community with your books in particular? Yes, I have. Um, <laughs> Yes, I have. I try just to present the facts, represent the facts rather than try to to argue against their misinformation. Sure. I think that's important. Um, I also think it's important not to blame parents for this because what it, the one thing that I can say about every mom and every dad is they want what's best for their baby. Mm -hmm. That's their goal. So when we start talking about uh, parents who don't vaccinate because they've heard or they've become entrenched in the anti-vax movement, they don't always know better because they have been misinformed. They do think that they're doing what's best for their baby. They do think that they're protecting their baby. So it's our responsibility to to present the facts as, they, as we know them, as we're sure of them. And if, if parents are exposed to anti-vaxxers, anti-fax, I guess you could call them. Um, <laughs> hey, that's new one. <laughs> yeah. Then we have, to, we have to just present the facts back mm -hmm. as they are. Yeah. It seems that you approach a lot of what you do with parents, but particularly, you know, in pregnancy, around vaccines that you approach it with a lot of compassion and I'm wondering if you feel like that compassion works if you've seen results that you feel like this is not only does it feel right but I, I feel I've seen it work yeah and I yes I, and I think that being empathetic understanding that they are trying to do what's best for their babies is is key rather than attacking them for beliefs that that they've settled on simply because they've been misinformed. So I, th I think that's help, helpful just to be empathetic and to understand why they're 
believing the things that they're believing. I think I think compassion, of course, is a very important part of it. Another important part of it is is not judging, and that goes across the board, whatever I'm talking about. Because you know, it, I have a daughter who struggled two times to produce breast milk. She did absolutely everything that a person could do, from from herbal remedies to ordering drugs from Canada to doing acupuncture and and wearing needles behind her ears and under her fingertips, cupping everything, plus had lactation support on a daily basis. And she was unable to produce breast milk. So the last thing we need to do is judge anyone about things like that when what they want to do is do the best for their baby. And the same with immunization. So you can support them, support them, empathize, uh, show them compassion, but most of all, give them the facts. Clearly with Emma not being able to breastfeed, all the facts in the world, she was already convinced that she wanted to breastfeed. She was already convinced that was the best thing for her baby, but to judge her because she couldn't produce breast milk, well, that's crazy. So we need to support parents with their choices, uh, assuming those choices are safe ones. And when they're not safe ones, to to empower them with information. We do a lot of talking on this podcast about how there is that difference between parents who choose not to immunize because of, like you said, they're doing what they believe to be best for their children, but the information that's out there, as you mentioned earlier, there is so much, and it is mm-hmm. so inundating, and there is there is a difficulty. It's it, it takes a lot of discernment to separate the wheat from the chaff. So yes. I greatly appreciate having good, uh, factual, easy-to-understand um information that's out there such as in your books that is widespread and well respected and earns you know people's trust and and allows them to take in those facts and make those decisions using information from reliable sources so thank you for doing that thank you for being a part of that conversation well i think it's a team effort so we're we're all playing on the same team for sure getting parents that vital information and uh supporting them through this journey, which is sometimes bewildering and and maybe more so now than ever. Heidi, uh, people are probably listening to this thinking, well, I'm pregnant and you mentioned flu vaccines and, you know, the Mm -hmm. Tdap, the tetanus, um, diphtheria and pertussis vaccines. I'm supposed to get those? When am I supposed to get those? What's the deal with those? when When are people supposed to get those? With a flu vaccine, if you're pregnant during flu season, um, which you likely are going to be because it, it runs a lot longer than people believe. You want to get your flu vaccine as early as possible in during, and you can have it at any point during pregnancy. The nice thing is if you happen to be getting it towards the end of your pregnancy, that it will have, and, and that would, timing is everything, you have to get it no matter, you know, no matter what, as early as possible in flu season. But if get if that season happens to coincide with the end of your pregnancy, then you're also going to be giving your baby some protection once your baby is born. So the baby will be actually born with some protection against flu. Mm -hmm. Um, If not, you're still cocooning your baby, plus you're preventing all the complications that can come 
with getting flu during pregnancy. Um, pregnant women are far more likely to be hospitalized for flu complications, uh, to develop pneumonia. The best way to approach it is prevention because pregnant women are to a certain extent immune compromised. So any, any kind of infection is going to hit them harder and pose, pose challenges to their pregnancy and risks to their babies. Get your flu vaccine, belly up to the to the pharmacy or to your OB. Some often OBs will also provide flu shots. The Tdap vaccine, which you need to get with every pregnancy, not just once. Dads get away with only getting it once, but pregnant women need to get it in the last trimester of every pregnancy. They usually recommend about 27 weeks, somewhere in the 30s of pregnancy. And you're just ask your OB or, or your midwife about when you can expect to get your TBAT vaccine. Well, thank you so much. You know, it was just a pleasure talking to you today, Heidi. I know that everybody enjoyed listening to you and you've got just so much great information and such a passion for parenting and pregnancy. And I'm very grateful for everything you do, but especially that you are a person who's willing to tell parents what they need to know about vaccines. So if people want to find more information about all of the what to expect, I, I mentioned what to mm-hmm. expect when you're expecting, but I'll tell you that what to expect the first year, what to expect the toddler years were very important in our family too. Actually, it's now called what to expect the second year. Oh, <laughs> so tells you how old I am. <laughs> yeah, as well. Tells you how old I am. <laughs> so yes, and also there's uh, an app for that as well. That's lovely. The what to expect app and uh, what to expect.com. Yeah. Lots of information there as well. But you can get all your information about vaccines through any of those sources. Plus your doctor. Very important. Absolutely. If you have any questions, you should always ask the pediatrician or your OB or midwife. And uh, you, you took the words out of your mouth. I was going to ask you where people could find more information, but um, it's whattoexpect.com. Mm-hmm. Yes. Excellent. So thank you so much. And uh, it was wonderful talking to Heidi. Thank and, you so much. Yeah. And thank you to everybody who listens to our podcast and especially who listened to this one. My name is Karen Ernst. I am the executive director of Voices for Vaccines. You can find us at voicesforvaccines.org. And I'm Nathan Boonstra. I'm a general pediatrician here in Des Moines, Iowa, Blank Children's Hospital. Look for me on Facebook or on Twitter with the handle at PedsGeekMD or on my blog PedsGeekMD.com. We'll talk to you guys next week for Babies and Young Children Week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.